I'm Scott. And I'm Ig. And you're listening to the Chaos Buddies Podcast. Buddies podcast, where my co-host apparently time-traveled to get here to record. <laughs> I'm Scott. I'm Ink. And we're here today to talk about a variety of art-related things. I just have one question for you. Yes? Are you ready, Squiddy? Aye, aye, Captain! <laughs> <laughs> So today in our news segment, we're going uh, we're going a little bit light with this one. Um, some of it might even stretch to the definition of news. I'll let I'll let Ink go first though, because hers is actually news. Mine stretches the definition a little bit. So my news, I don't know how extremely recent it is, but I only I was the one that came across it today and found out today that the uh, Chainsaw Man anime has an official release date. For a while, we just knew that it was going to be sometime in October this year. We now have the full release date of October 11th, 2022. I am so hyped because I love Chainsaw Man. I've read, I've tried reading what I can of the manga because it is fairly hard to find because I'm more so a person that would buy like hard copies of manga for like collecting and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it is so hard to find, mainly because it is a really popular manga. And so like people are buying it and stuff. Um, but I have read as much as I can, and I am so hyped. I'm. This is going to be so cool. So I, I, I've heard a bunch about Chainsaw Man in terms of just people being into it, but I've never heard a lot about the actual plot. I haven't read the manga. Clearly, I haven't seen the anime because I'm like you. I can't time travel. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm not going to live down being late today. No, you're not. Never. Um, oh. but, but that said, give me the give me the elevator pitch. Why should I read slash watch Chainsaw Man? Well, for starters, it is very perfect in the spooky horror genre and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already know you'll like it in that regard. Um, but the whole like basic plot is there's this dude named Denji and he is a chainsaw devil. So he is able to like sort of transform shapeshift into this like chainsaw humanoid. He's got like a big chainsaw head mask thing and he's got chainsaws on like his arms and he like fights and stuff. And it's, it's really cool. And he was taken in by this lady named Makima, um, who is a devil hunter. Um, and she made a whole deal with him when she found him to basically, like, work with me and fight devils or I kill you. That whole thing. It sounds like somebody watched and liked the Evil Dead. Chainsaw yeah, hands, so. chainsaw head. <laughs> oh, yeah, very much so. But, no, that sounds like that sounds like it would at least be worth giving a try for no other reason than the spooky aspect. Oh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Ink and I are both super into the spooky side of things. Oh, yeah. Anything that involves a good spookums, we're down for. Oh, yeah. Spooky stuff is great. Well, and on top of it, that's not the only anime that's gotten some official updates. I haven't uh, – I didn't take the time to catalog the um, the uh, actual dates themselves, but it is worth noting that Spy Family uh, got an official release date for the second season. Yeah. I don't remember what the specific date is, but it's coming up real quick. Like yeah. it's in the next few weeks. Yeah. It's sometime in October, I think early October. Yeah. Um, 
My Hero Academia Season 6 got an official release date. And while it did not get an official release date, my favorite anime of the last year, My Dress Up Darling, yes, I admitted that out loud, (laughs) (laughs) um, got an official confirmation for a second season. So... Hopefully that will be uh, soon. And if you haven't watched My Dress Up Darling, you definitely should, because despite the uh, kind of like uh, anime waifu outward appearance, it's actually a pretty brilliant show message-wise. Yeah. Like it's it's all about being proud of who you are and not letting yeah. anybody take that away from you. Exactly. Even though I haven't been able to fully like watch the series yet, I know that it's about like just being proud of your interests and not letting basic stuff like ruin enjoying things for you. I, I'm just going to sit back and, wa- and watch the cosplay list stack up as you watch it. <laughs> uh, you know that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I already have some ideas about what you might pick from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already know once I start watching the series, I know um, just the main girl, her name is, isn't her name like Marin? Uh, Maureen. Maureen. Mm-hmm. Um, I already just know her basic generic static outfit with the school uniform. I already know I'm going to want to cosplay that. Yeah. Just because I know that'll be fun. It's literally a show about cosplaying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to watch it because I love cosplay. We should make a watch party of it. I wouldn't mind watching yes. a second time. Um, yeah. That said, that's your news? Yes, that is my news. All right. So... On my side of things, mine's a little bit more I watch something really cool and want to talk about it as opposed to big events happening type of thing. Um, So when we did our very first podcast episode, one of the artists that I talked about was Christian Pearson from Popcross Studios. Mm -hmm. And he put a video up this past week that was um, him redrawing what he considered some of his worst drawings from the early days of his YouTube channel. Right. And now for context, these drawings that he was picking from, they were stuff that he was drawing as I came on to the channel watching it. Right. So these very same drawings are the stuff that at one time I looked at and said, oh, my God, this guy is so much better than I am. I should be following him and learning from him because he's clearly somebody to aspire to be. Right. Right. And, of course, I haven't gone back and looked at those old videos in the almost three years I've been watching his channel. And, you know, there's no reason for me to. So he brings back these old drawings, and I recognize all of them. And first of all, the obvious realization is how much his style has evolved. Right. Because it has. He he was it great really then, is, yeah. but he's incredible now. Yeah. But the other realization that I came to watching the video is he was so much better than me then. And he still is better than me now, like significantly so. But my art now is significantly better than his art then. Right. So at the very least, the original goal I set out by following his channel to learn from him and surpass what I was watching at the time. Right. I've actually accomplished. And the thing of that is that was kind of the whole message of his video, because the thing he was really talking about was, you know, When I started my YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. I was already a successful artist and animator. Right. And he was basically saying, but look how bad my art actually was back then. And I was already a successful artist and animator. Right. His point was, 
you don't have to have arrived at your final style and your ultimate quality ability in order to start your career. You can be a so-so artist and still pursue your career and continue to grow as an artist through your career. Exactly. And I think I thought that was a really positive and important message that anybody who is actively engaged in art and maybe sitting there thinking, you know, I really want to be a successful artist, but my stylist is it's just not good enough. I'll never be good enough. Well, right. Christian Pearson was good enough when he was at the point that I currently think I'm not good enough. You know? Yes. So what I should take from that is I probably am good enough to, to continue forward, you know? Right. I just don't think I am because there's this ever-raising bar that I feel like I have to hit. Right. And I know a lot of artists go through that same thing, and the thing that you should take away from it is, yeah, you are good enough. You might not be as good as you want to be, but you're at least as good as your clients want you to be. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So I just thought that, I just thought that was a really really positive takeaway, you know. Yeah. That actually is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was my little news story. A little bit of positivity. Yeah, we love it. So that's what we got for the news segment. Mm-hmm. When we come back after a short break. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of character design, some of our favorite character designs, some of our least favorite character designs, what works, what doesn't, and why they do and don't work. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll be back after a short break. Back to the main segment of the Chaos Buddies podcast. Today, we're here to talk to you a little bit about uh, character design. And since Shortstack over here was the one who came up with the topic, I'm going to go ahead and let her lead off. Oh, my God. I've been so excited to do this topic. Character design is, like, one of my favorite topics. It's also one of my just favorite things to do with art is just designing characters and all that. Um, why do you think I have so many OCs? Um, (laughs) all well-designed ones too why do you think i keep drawing them (laughs) okay oh my god okay so i want to talk about some of my favorite character designs and quite frankly just my favorite characters in general because i love their designs and that's what i look for when looking for favorite characters is their designs and stuff Mm -hmm. um i don't know how many i'm going to end up talking about I could talk about three. I could talk about 30. I could talk about 300. Who knows? Squiddy um, brain go burr. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> All right, go for it. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start with um, a character design that I've loved for years and was ultimately kind of a character design that actually got me into Vocaloid. Okay. It was the design of the Vocaloid Gumi, specifically in the song Matryoshka by the producer Hachi, which, funny enough, if um, any of you out there are my hero fans, like uh, Scott and I, um, the producer Hachi, um, he does his own music and actually sang Peace Sign for My Hero Academia. Okay. That makes Um, sense. So in um, his song Matryoshka, Gumi has this very, like, kind of chaotic um 
very specific colored like based design um because the song involves both her and miku and um the whole aspects of their designs and the colors the main color scene in her design are green and red um all the rest like her skin tone is all completely stark white she's got a couple of little like designs on her cheeks and she's wearing a red hoodie and her hair is green and um, I fell in love with that design, and I looked up what it was from, and it was a Vocaloid song, and I'm like, holy shit, this slaps. Um, and now here I am, obsessed with Vocaloid and Hatsune Miku, so um, thank you, Gumi, thank you, Hachi. Um, <laughs> you have made me into the squid I am today. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, uh, see, my, my character design... Um, like my foundation for character design is more rooted in American comics and uh, superheroes and things like that. And whenever I think of favorite superhero designs, it always goes back to the flash. He was, um, first of all, he was the character that was basically the reason I started reading comic books. He wasn't my first comic book character. That would be Batman. Right. But my experience with Batman was television and movies initially. Yeah, yeah. And then in the mid-90s, there was a Flash television show. Right. And that was my introduction to the character, and I loved that costume because it's simple. It's red from head to toe with yellow lightning accents. Yeah. Very, very simple, blocky color design. Right. Very sleek, the type of thing that you would expect to see a running character wear. Exactly, which very much so fits him since he runs fast. Mm-hmm. Which is really funny because that was not the original Flash costume because that was not the original Flash. We'll get into that right. when we talk about bad character design. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I saw the TV show, and then I was at the grocery store with my dad about a week later, and this was back when comic books were sold on spinner racks and grocery stores, kids, way back in the day, oh. about a decade before Inky here was born. Yeah. <laughs> and kid. yep, this was this was well before you were even born. Um, and I saw a comic book on the spinner rack. And now keep in mind, the irony here is the Flash in that incarnation had been around since the 70s. Right. And I looked at them like, Dad, look, they made a comic book of my favorite show. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what got me into reading comic books. And as a result, uh, in terms of what comic books I do and don't read, it's always determined on whether or not the Flash comic is any good. If the Flash is good, I read DC Comics. If the Flash is not good, I don't read DC Comics. Oh, my God. So that that was one of my early favorite uh, character designs, and it's ended up um, influencing how I look at character designs going forward because, for me, I like simple character designs. Right. There is very much a, a such thing as too busy. Right. Especially when you're talking comic books or cartoons. When you get into really, really well-thought-out artwork and things like that, that's a whole different conversation. But when you're talking comic books and cartoons, and even live action to a lesser extent, I like simple, blocky design with not a lot of overuse of texture, not a lot of overuse of patterns, um, 
one of the things that I really struggle with with the MCU, because that's what's popular in terms of comic books right now, and actually the DC movies are bad for this too, is they start with the foundation design of those characters, but then they throw every Photoshop filter texture on it they possibly can. Yep. And it just doesn't work for me because I like simple, blocky colors. It's why I'm a Power Rangers fan, because it's colored spandex. (laughs) You know, it's as simple as it possibly gets. Yep. There is, and there is such a thing as too simple. Um, the story I was going to use for my new story before I decided on the one that we went with today was actually a Power Rangers related story. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of background here. Power Rangers is based on a Japanese show called Super Sentai. Yep. They take all their suits from the Super Sentai and adapt it to an American show so they can get around shooting a bunch of footage. Well, there's been a rumor going on for a couple of years now that Power Rangers was going to break away from Sentai and start doing their own thing, creating their own suits and things like that. Right. Uh, alongside that, the current season of Power Rangers, Power Rangers Dino Fury, has uh-huh. been wildly successful, and the cast has been extremely popular. To the point that for the first time in 25 years, for the first time since the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mm -hmm. they're bringing the cast back as opposed Mm -hmm. to flipping out and getting a new cast. Right. So that also means that they have to find a way story-wise to tie it in while still creating new toys. Right. Because Power Rangers at its core is a toy commercial. And where this comes back to the character design, the thing that the fandom has been trying to figure out, are they going to adapt a Sentai again? If so, which Sentai? What works thematically that they can pull over? Or are they going to create their own suits for the first time? Right. We got a little bit of our answer the other day in that we saw Hasbro's first original created Power Ranger suit. Oh. And they created this suit design, and I use the term suit loosely and the term design loosely. Okay. By keeping the helmet from the previous suits. Okay, we'll keep the dino theme. That's fine, whatever. Right. And then they took the logo from the previous suits, painted it on a white morph suit, and put a white cape on it. So it's a red helmet, a red logo, and then everything else is white. And, and then posted on their Twitter how proud they were of the hours and hours they spent on this design. It looked like something that I sketched in two minutes. It also looked like something they bought at Spirit Halloween. Hasbro, you're better than this. No, they aren't. Have you seen their toys? <laughs> Fair. Um... I just don't want to harp on them too much because I have a huge nostalgia attached to Hasbro mainly because of My Little Pony because I loved My Little Pony as a kid and I pretty I'm pretty sure I still have like two whole boxes full of just old My Little Pony toys from when I was really young in like the oh, we, garage. We all have nostalgia for Hasbro in one capacity or another. They're a big toy company. But the thing of it is, when they bought Power Rangers, I was a little concerned. Because keep in mind, they're not the original owner. Power Rangers has changed hands three times. Yeah. Um, but when they bought Power Rangers, my concern was their toys are really tacky looking. Yeah. Really, really tacky looking. And that has proven to be a problem with the toys. However, 
their writing staff and their TV production values save the franchise because the last oh. couple series they've done have been the best that the show has been in years. Oh yeah. But the problem is when they're now designing their own suits, that's the toy side doing that. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. <laughs> it shows real bad. Oh yeah. So that's one of that's the, the the long and short of it, and where it ties back to the original topic we had. That's where a design can be too simple. Yeah. Like I see what they were going for. It needed about another year in the oven. Yeah. So that that's my my little simplicity rant. Yeah. What's another What's another favorite character of yours? Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We're going into um, a favorite character design of mine that is a bit more recent. Um, he is from the series Demon Slayer. Oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say something once I said he was from Demon Slayer. Um, but it is the character Enmu from the Mugen Train movie. I love mm-hmm. his design and just his all-around character so much. He's He's my boy. Um, Scott knows this. Oh, do I ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm literally sitting here at my desk, and literally directly across from me is, um, my Funko Pop of him. Like, he's, he's just here. He's just here (laughs) chilling. Um, but getting into character design for him, I personally... I actually really love his character design, and personally, I really like how simple it is, because um, a lot of the character designs in Demon Slayer are, like, really complex and, like, colorful and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, we have the main character, Tanjiro. He's got red hair, a green and black checkered coat, and then the Demon Slayer uniform. Um, and then we have Nezuko, who's wearing a, like, cute, vivid pink kimono with, like, a little black coat over it, and she has the black and red hair. And then has the red and white checkered belt on her kimono. Like, she's all around a very colorful character. And then obviously we have Zenitsu Ninosuke. Um, But then when we get to, like, some of the demons and stuff, once again, for being villains, they have very complex color palettes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But with Enmu's, his is very, like, simple. um, Where his outfit, his clothes are mainly consist of black, white, and gray, and the only really, like, pops of color in his design are in his eyes and his hair, and then the markings on his face, like, and, are really only it. And see, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about with simplicity and character design, because he is very striking, because he is simple. Yeah. Other than those little pops of color, he's he's very monochrome. Yeah. And I have really enjoyed Demon Slayer, but one of the things I have to criticize it about, in general... Mm-hmm. Is that some of their characters, especially if you look in the manga, they 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 clean it up for the anime a little bit. But especially if you look in the manga, a lot of their character designs are just a little bit too busy. Oh yeah. You know, there, there's um, like I'll I'll even use you were talking about Nezuko for an in, for, as a as a for instance. Yeah. Yeah, her color palette is fantastic. But the thing that I never realized until it was pointed out by one of the characters in the manga is that the pattern on her kimono is meant to be a hemp leaf. Oh. Yeah, they refer to it as a hemp leaf pattern. And if you look at it in, like, official promotional art, 
you can see it. Mm. But if you look at it in art that is done as part of the sequentials, because that artist likes to just throw every texture on the under the sun on on the panel, yeah. the li- it's just lines everywhere. There is no pattern to it. Right. And the anime took from what you see in the sequentials rather than right. what you see in the promotional. So the pattern right. just isn't there. Like I'm looking at an image of her right now. It's a promotional image, and the hemp leaf is very clear. Right. But it's not clear at all in the sequentials of the anime. Wow. Because her patterns are just too busy. And then, like, we use Daki as a for instance because we talk about Daki a lot. Yeah. And her ribbons are fine. Like, they've got a clear pattern to them. Yep. But her actual garments that she wears, mm-hmm. again, they clean it up in the anime. The anime looks great. In the manga, it's literally just pencil scratches. Yep. And it's just like, that's character design that's just a little too busy. A little bit yeah. too busy. Oh, Well-intentioned, yeah. but a little bit too busy. Yep. But yeah, Enmu is nice because he does have a very striking, very simple character design. Yeah. And it, and it works. And there's a lot of cool stuff you could do from an illustration standpoint with designs like that. Because oh, he's, yeah. he's got those little pops of color in his hair and his eyes. Yeah. And you can do things with like silhouettes and grayscaling and all that stuff oh, and, yeah. make, and make those colors really jump. Oh, yeah. As an artist who absolutely loves drawing him, um, he is one of the most fun characters to draw. Like, mm-hmm. like I know... I sound like I'm just raving on about a favorite character of mine, which, I mean, I kind of am. But, like, he seriously is such a fun character to draw. That's okay. I'll splash cold water on you if I have to. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm literally sitting here. I have a plush of him with me. Oh, my God. I love him. He's, he's my boy. I, I can't give you too much shit because I've kind of started to develop a similar obsession with stocking from Panty and Stocking. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's and it's for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. Um, because she's you know she's a very generally monochrome palette character. Yeah. Except for her hair and her stockings. Yeah. That's where all the color on the character is focused, mm-hmm. and you can have a lot of fun with that. Just making those hair colors exactly. pop and everything. Yep. You know, I, I, I've come to really enjoy drawing her, and she's one of my favorite characters. Like, I'm probably going to end up drawing her almost as much as I draw Froppy. Oh, my God. Love that. <laughs> oh, my God. I just had an idea for a crossover. Anyway. <laughs> my hero in painting and stalking? Yes. Yes. <laughs> painting and stalking are now the new UA students. Oh God, that there's some good stuff going on with character design in that show though too. Panty and stocking, like oh, that yeah. whole that whole thing. Everything is very thought out about the character designs. Oh yeah, you know, even uh, Panty herself is a very simple design. Yeah, but you know that's on purpose. She's meant to be a certain type of iconic female character. Yeah, she's meant to sort of counter stockings like dark gothic lolita based yeah they're they're literally meant to be opposites but again with panty and stocking one of the things i keep on coming back to is it's very important to look at the time frame it originally came out in yeah because because in addition to riffing on american animation a lot of things about that show are really riffing on things that were very specific to culture at the time right and that look that panty had in particular was a very 
very trendy look at the time. Yeah. Simple red dress, messy blonde hair, very yeah. trendy at the time. Oh, yeah. The hoop so. earrings, the mm-hmm. bracelets, all of that. Yeah. It's I really fun. I vividly remember that era of the 2010s. It's, re- it's really funny because... I enjoy drawing stocking more just because of the gothic aspects, because I always enjoy good goth influences in, right. in my drawing. But Panty is the easier one to draw. Right. And I didn't think she would be because her hairstyle is so, like, wild and spiky. Yeah. But the funny thing is when you actually sit down and break down their designs, Panty is the one that has a more reality-grounded design. Yeah. Whereas Stocking's hair just straight up defies physics. Yeah, because of, like, how her long hair, like, has that, like, sort of curved look to it. Yeah, it's like a tent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a cape, almost. Yeah. Yeah, and with how it works, too, with how she has, like, the purple on top and then the pink underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right, what other character designs do we want to jump in and talk about? I do want to talk about Splatoon character designs. Of course, because it's a day that ends in Y. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, any day that ends in Y, I want to talk about Splatoon. (laughs) So the character that I'm going to talk about from Splatoon, now you might think, oh, I'm going to talk about one of the, like, idol characters, like Pearl and Marina. No, I'm going to talk about Krusty Sean. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to talk about Krusty Sean. Because he is one of my favorites for his design. His <laughs> absolutely just fun, goofy design throughout all three of the games. Because we have the first game where he runs the shoe shop. He's got all of the little shoes on his little legs because he's a shrimp. He's a tempura shrimp, so he's got all <laughs> the little legs. Um, but he's got like a beanie and all the little shoes and he all around looks like Someone that you would see working in a shoe shop. Like, he's got the very, like, chill kind of skater person vibe going. Okay. Um, and then you get to Splatoon 2. Um, he's no longer running the shoe shop. He is now running a food truck in um, Inkopolis. I almost said Splatsville. That's Splatoon 3. <laughs> um, and in Splatoon 2, when he's running his food truck, his design... Well, he still has all the little shoes on his, all of his little legs because that was one of the most iconic, like, eye-catching points of his design because he's a shrimp, so he's got all the little legs with all the little shoes. Um, <laughs> they instead want a more kind of, like, hipster kind of, like, look with them for Splatoon mm-hmm. 2. They gave him a backwards baseball cap. He has a single little earring, and he's wearing glasses. And not just any kind of glasses, the hipster glasses. Oh my god. And then we now have Splatoon 3 out, and even though he isn't in the actual game itself, he's in the Nintendo app, and um, the more, like, I guess, ink that you turf, you get to help him on, like, his adventure of, like, going around different, like, places and stuff. Um, I haven't re-downloaded the app, so I haven't been able to do it, and I'm so mad at myself. Um, but I know, Scott, you have been able to kind of do some of um, yeah. Sean's journey. I know in the app it's called, like, Wonder Crust because mm-hmm. he's, he's called Krusty Sean. Yeah. So, um, one thing I did notice, though, is that he has a shower cap. Yeah, he's, wear- he's yeah. wearing a shower cap. 
they, they don't they don't explain it. They just don't. <laughs> but yeah. he's he's very clearly meant to be um, a representative of the Gen Z crowd. When you when you talk about that journey that you chron- chronicled there, other than the shoe store aspect, that that doesn't really fit it. But the food truck thing does. Yeah. The going on his journey and taking his pictures and having people you know fund his journey through support that kind of yeah. thing. Oh yeah. That. He's very clearly meant to be sort of a hipster slash Gen Zer. Yeah. Which is which and, is a really interesting yeah. take. And of course, Splatoon is real big on the, you know, making people trendy and stuff like that. Yeah. Like and it's really rooted in those concepts. Yeah. Well, it's really <laughs> funny because the characters they grow over time. Like I saw. Um, yeah. Speaking of character designs, I'm not going to dig deep into this one because he's not a particular favorite. But the the way that the characters grow, I wanted to point out yeah. um merch oh my god yeah merch did you see him in splatoon 2 Ooh. homie hit puberty oh yeah <laughs> and then him now in splatoon 3 yeah Homeboy's yeah growing he... up and he still is using the same old ass crusty phone he was in splatoon 1 well i just like how they have consistent lore and yeah. that's the thing is character design when it's done right, mm-hmm. can contribute to a character's lore. Yeah. So actually, that's something I want to spin off. You got anything else you want to hit on with Splatoon? Because I have something I want to spin into. Uh, no, you're good. Okay. Um, so talking about character design and character lore and going back mm-hmm. to the DC Comics thing, and we're going to hop back to The Flash for yeah. a minute. Okay. And we're going, to, we're going to talk about something, even though re- we're going to talk about something that was a good bit of building lore into a, a design, even though it resulted in a bad design. <laughs> and then I want to talk about something that was a bad way of building lore into a design, even though it resulted in a good design. Right. <laughs> so the original Flash, before the one that everybody in modern day knows and loves, mm-hmm. wore a red sweater with a lightning bolt. Oh my and God, a, yeah, I remember a, this. And and a Mercury hat with the wings. Yeah. Oh my God. Was, I remember seeing the artwork of that. Yeah, the original Flash, and he still pops up from time to time today. Yeah. Uh, like lore-wise, he's really ingrained in the myth- the mythos of the Flash. Yeah. But the way that they built the lore into that hat he wears, because yeah. they gave him a reason to have that hat, and it's a good reason. Mm-hmm. It was his dad's hat during the war. Right. Which is a really neat way of informing the character. But it resulted in a design that doesn't make sense because who runs fast with a hat they can't keep on their head? Right. So great lore, bad design. Yeah. (laughs) Not to mention a sweater for a costume doesn't really get it done, but you know what? Not to mention he runs, so he's being like very active because running and whatnot is like a sport. So why would you be wearing a sweater? That too. That, that that's a very good point. Like wearing um, sweaters, I've done it before. It's not fun. No, no, running isn't fun. But running in sweaters, especially, isn't fun. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> running the mile in high school and middle school PE in the winter, or like not in the winter, but in like that part of the year where it's like in between mm-hmm. summer and fall, so it's mm-hmm. like still hot outside but like if you don't have a jacket or something with you you'll be like kind of cold but then if you start doing active stuff and whatnot 
you're starting like sweat and stuff, but you'd still have like your jacket on and stuff. Oh my god, it's so annoying. And having well, to not, run the mile. Not to mention with those short little squid legs, you had to work twice as hard as everybody else. Yeah, that too. <laughs> oh my god. But anyway. I actually do have a small funny story about the mile in PE and stuff. Um, okay. I know this is a tangent. I'm going off on a tangent. That's okay. This is Tan- a quick story. Tangents are fine. Um, tangents are fine. It was like freshman year of high school. I, it was the first mile of the year. And so my high school has um, the like outdoor PE area. We have like the two fields mm-hmm. and whatnot. But then we also have this like little back area because my high school was on like the Mesa mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, yeah. So the route for the mile and stuff was like a little bit like around the field. We'd start at this little area of the field and then we'd go around and kind of go around part of this little mesa area and then come back in the field and then end where we started. That would be mm-hmm. a full mile. Um, on the first mile, while running in the mesa area with my friend, um, I my foot got stuck in between these like two rocks. So my foot oh, no. and I fell into the rocks. I was oh. fine. I was fine. I took a tumble. I was fine. And my friend who was um, running the mile with me was like, oh my god, dude, are you okay? And I literally just got back up and continued running, and I'm like, I'm not failing my first mile. That's what they call the agony of defeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate it Sorry, that, so much. That joke had no soul. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. I don't so have any... any of my own soul left because all of it goes to my fleshies. I'd say the puns are really going over your head, but that's not exactly difficult to do. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so getting back on the character design and lore thing and sticking with DC Comics, Mm -hmm. there's this character called Power Girl. Right. And now, here's, here's the thing you have to understand about Power Girl. She is definitely the American equivalent of the big titty anime waifu. Yes. Like she is the epitome to the point. So let's talk about first how her character design actually originally came about. And then the bit of lore that they tried, that they applied to try to explain it away. (laughs) So her character design is like, you know, most female superheroes, a skin-tight leotard-type costume. Yeah. But it includes, for lack of better terms, a boob window. Yeah. And the artist on the book, when the character first came out, decided that he wanted to see how much he could get away with in terms of pushing that boob window. Right. So every subsequent issue of the book... Her boobs were just a little bigger, and the hole was just a little bigger. Oh, my God. And he just wanted to see how far he could push it, and she got up to, like, triple Ds, and still nobody said anything. So he finally just gave up and left it there because he clearly wasn't going to get told no. Yeah. But it became such an iconic part of her character design just from an artist trolling their publisher. Oh, yeah. That when people started to look at comic books in the early 2000s with a bit more of a feminist eye. Right. That was one of the things that got called into question, understandably. Right. And the piece of lore that they came up with to desperately attempt to explain it away. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, she's Superman's cousin. 
Right. But she's Superman's cousin from a different universe because comics. Right, of course. And her explanation for why she had the hole for her boobs mm-hmm. was that, well, on Superman's uniform, that's where his logo is. Right. But instead of taking Superman's logo, because she was from a different world and didn't actually belong in this world, she felt like she didn't really belong as part of Superman's family. So the hole for her cleavage was rep- to represent the hole that was missing in her life from not belonging somewhere. Oh. Yeah. It was it was a really bad attempt to say we want to show tits. Here's tits. Yeah. <laughs> like metaphorically speaking, how it like represents like having a hole of not belonging somewhere is kind of a cool idea, but the way they went about it yeah. is making it a, an excuse to show boobs. Yeah. Is, um a little little whack. Yeah. It it really was. And I mean, they have to their credit, they have made a few attempts since then to alter her character design in such a way that that was not a part of her design. Right. But the challenge is the fans aren't having any of it. Of course. And I'm not just talking about the male fans either. Even even her female fans are like, no, that's an iconic part of her design. Been there for 30 years. Got to keep it now. (laughs) Exactly. You you rolled with it for so long, so Mm -hmm. now you have to keep it because we all, it's all part of her design now. So, and realistically it is a good looking design whether you agree yeah. with the boob window or not it yeah, works I, I actually really like power girls design i think it's cool but really bad lore to explain away a design yeah. element that you know realistically people probably wouldn't have said that much about if they hadn't tried to explain it away yeah because let's face it in comic books cleavage not that provocative yeah yeah, in uh, in anything anime related to cleavage is also not that provocative. Yeah. So that's lore and character design. Can you think of any other characters that have design that's really heavily based toward lore that you either do or don't like? I do have a character design that um does have some lore mm-hmm. um, for it and whatnot that I guess kind of connects to them and whatnot. But it's for a character design that I don't like, and I don't know if we're like gonna head into that next part of our we, character design talk. We can bounce around. It's okay. Okay. So a character design that I don't like mm-hmm. that has some lore to go with it is another Demon Slayer character. Um, it's Doma, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack from this from the Demon Slayer community because everyone fucking loves Doma, and I fucking hate him. Which and one's I, Doma? It's, the, um, uh, how do I say this without spoiling the manga? The one who fought Shinobu. Okay, I know, okay, okay. Yeah, I, know yeah, I don't like his design either, yeah. Yeah, like, I get what they were going for, to try yeah. to, like, make him look cool and stuff, but it just, it's not a character design I like. I, I didn't really don't. I didn't like his character in its entirety just because same, same not not only did I not like the design, I actually didn't particularly care for the lore that was attached to it because the lore yeah. felt haphazardly attached. Yeah. I do think he's his fight with Shinobu is again, I'm trying not to spoil things for people. Yeah. It is definitely the best part of the arc it's in. Oh yeah. Um, by a country mile because that arc really, really does not land otherwise. Um, yeah. But his character design is very, very bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I don't like it at all. 
and like so many people in the fan base rave over him being like oh my god he has such pretty design oh my god he's so pretty and i'm like the fuck he looks crusty <laughs> he looks crusty looks like and not and not in the and not in the cool sean way no not in the cool Sean way. No, he looks crusty in the way that he would be behind a Walmart selling shady shit to you. That, okay, that's so, the vibes I get from him. So going with designs we don't like, and I'm going to keep it in the Demon Slayer family here for a All minute. Right. Uh, I'm going to hit a couple, and not only is the fan base going to disagree with me on these, but I have a feeling you are too, okay. and that's okay. okay. You got. Uh, one, one of these in particular, I think you're going to wildly disagree with me on, okay. but that's okay. Uh, and I'll just start with that one. I don't like. I don't like Piglet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I, I do disagree, but I can understand where you're coming from. My my issue. So this is a tricky one because just as a design unto himself, and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Piglet is the name I give Anosuke because I'd rather call him Piglet. Um, yeah. uh, by by the same uh, token, I call Zenitsu Pikachu. Yep. But. Um, and I actually like Pikachu's design. Oh yeah, Zenitsu's both, got a both, really both, cool design. Both actual Pikachu and Demon Slayer Pikachu. Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't like Zenitsu as a character, but I do like his design, and I think I think his design, the fact that I like it so much, and don't click with the character is part of why I dislike his character so much. I want to like his character a lot more than I do. Right. Um. But Piglet. It's not that his design is a bad design in and of itself, just in a vacuum. Right. It's that it doesn't match the design language of the rest of the show. Right. Yeah. I he does. From he, that. he doesn't fit with any anybody around him. Right. And the pig head thing, I can take that or leave it. it it's a fun little character trait. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But. He doesn't have any of the other elements of the the demon slayers. Like they set up a consistent design language, at least with the trainees with their kimonos. Yeah. And how their kimonos represent their colors. They broke that with Tanjo too, and I have an issue there too. Um, but um, he lacks the consistent design elements that the other characters have. Yeah. And actually, let's talk about Tanjo for a moment, too, and how his character design during the training arc was better than his character design in the rest of the series. <laughs> because right. not that his design in the rest of the series looks bad at all. It doesn't. It looks good. Yeah. I, I like green. The green checkered pattern is iconic. His, his hair, his whole spiky thing, it yeah. all works. But his training arc design works better. Yeah, with the um, from when he was training with Urukodaki. Mm-hmm. The yeah. blue the blue kimono that he goes that he wears when he goes for the whole testing thing yeah. fits with the fact that he was a water elemental originally. Yeah. And knowing what happens later, I understand why they didn't want to tie him to that. Yeah. But they could have had him change kimonos as he goes. It would have been an interesting upgrade thing. Right. It would have had that whole Sailor Moon upgrade the costume feel. Yeah. I think they should have stuck with the blue. I also think they should have stuck with the longer hair. Yeah. I have a friend that agrees with the longer hair. She loves Tanjo with the longer hair. It, um, it, and, it, it isn't, and it isn't just that he looks better with it. It's that he stands out more. Yeah. 
he he st- stands out not just among the Demon Slayer characters, but from other characters in the genre as well. Yeah. More with longer hair. But the blue kimono was just so much more eye-catching and lore-fitting and everything than the green oh, one yeah. was. Oh, yeah. If any- if anything, they could have kept him with the green one during his training arc and had him graduate to the blue one. It would have shown character growth. Yeah. Um, the whole reason why they kept him in the green and black checkered um, mm-hmm. for his main character design outfit is because the like just checkerboard look in general was such mm-hmm. like a big thing with his family. Because like in um, the Mugen Train movie. Um, you mm-hmm. can see like all the characters' dreams and stuff in his dream where he's with his family. You can like see all of his family members have like the checkerboard pattern somewhere on their outfit. Like his mom is wearing a checkerboard white mm-hmm. and purple kimono. Um, one of his little sisters on um her little like coat that she has on her. Um, the pockets on it are the red and white checkerboard. Um, one of his sibling wears a green and black checkerboard like scarf. Stuff well, like that. The, well, then mix and match it. I mean, the, you yeah. could keep the blue pattern as the primary, yeah. keep the checkerboard, but change the colors of it, Ooh, and maybe yeah. put, and maybe put it like on the cuffs or something. Ooh, that would be cool. I mean, yeah, there there are ways you can work that in. And see, you know, that that makes a good case for the checkerboard because yes, it is important to his family. Yeah. But at the same time, that elemental color is important to the lore. So just put the two together and make them have a baby. Yeah. You know? Or have it be like you. Have it be half and half. That Yeah, that would work too. That would Uh, actually look really cool. Yeah, and it would be more iconic. Now, the other other character that I think you're going to disagree with me on isn't actually one character. It's a group of characters. Oh. Um, Canal. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. Canal. And all of... All of Shinobu's little minions. Okay, all of like the butterfly girls. Or as I like to call them, the Stepford Cuckoos. <laughs> Be- because they all dress the same, look the same, act the same, or draw yeah. the same. Yeah. And it, be- and it becomes really difficult to tell them apart. And Canal in particular, because I'm very dissatisfied with how her character was handled entirely oh, yeah. in-, in the series. Yeah. Uh, but her design, she's the only one of the uh, trainees. First of all, she's the only one of the trainees that didn't get her own arc. Right. And sec- and second of all, she's the only one that didn't get her own kimono color. Yeah. And that to me, and maybe I'm reading too much into it or overreacting to it, but that to me reads as character design as misogyny. Uh... You see my issue there? Yeah. And actually, now that I look at it, because I'm sitting here looking at Demon Slayer character designs, <laughs> that tracks because Mitsuri also does not get her own kimono. Quite oh, the point, yeah. the only female character who does is Shinobu. Yeah. And that's 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 a problem. But then the only female character that gets a decent arc is Shinobu. Yeah. So... That that that's you know something to think about, right? You know, probably reading a little deeper than the writer intended people to, but yeah, that's what I see. Yeah, yeah, that completely makes sense. Okay, so what other characters can we look at that um, 
have designs that we wish we could change. That's a good topic to go through. Characters we like, but wish we could change the designs on. Let's go with that. Okay, do they have to be specifically from Demon Slayer or just characters in general? In general. Okay. Uh, I am going to say this now. Um, Jiro from My Hero. Which your one's phone, Jiro? Your phone girl. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Took me a second. Like, okay, so, so what... her hero outfit. Okay. It feels a little too generic for it to be based around, like, rock. Mm-hmm. Because well, I know that was the whole vibe they were going for with her. Mm-hmm. Because um, she's very much so that sort of, like, punk rock sort of based character because that's her whole aesthetic and stuff but her hero outfit just feels a little too generic for it to be rock and it's like they tried she has the like sort of ripped holes in like the collar of like her Mm -hmm. pink shirt and stuff and then like the black jacket but it still just feels like a little too like basic like if they added like some like design elements to say like her jacket like patches and stuff for let's say mm-hmm. like bands or something, that would have worked a lot more to to give her a bit more of a dynamic look. Okay, well, and see, I don't disagree with you at all on that. Right. Uh, and she's not the only character I have that issue with in my hero either. Yeah. Um, but not only is it generic, it's basically just her civilian clothes. Yeah. She doesn't really actually have a hero outfit. And yeah. I'm going to, I know I'll take heat from people on this one, but you want to know who, who I have that problem with also in my hero? Which character? Todoroki. Oh, I completely agree with you. He's I the only, 100% he's, agree with you. He's the only character I can think of in that show that started out with a horrible hero outfit and then yeah. the improvement was even worse. Yeah. Like, because. The basis of his design with the whole, like, half red, half white hair, mm-hmm. like that whole idea and stuff, I actually think. Yeah, that, cool. that's fine. With the whole yeah. fire and ice powers that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, the first hero outfit he had, while it didn't look great, it was still kind of dynamic and was kind of it, it, it just didn't really fit his character. It looked yeah. like some kind of, like, Zen guru yogini, and that's not him at all. Yeah. The problem I have with the follow-up outfit is it just looks like the default school uniform plus a backpack. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like there's no thought put into it at all. And a character who has ice and fire powers coming up with a thematic design for that kind of character should be a piece of cake. Oh yeah. (laughs) That that should that should basically write itself, or I guess draw itself, as the case may be. <laughs> um, he needs a better hero outfit because he's such a cool character. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I've got Katie Perry's hot and cold stuck in my head. <laughs> um, and, and the. And the thing is, it's such an outlier from that series, too, because a lot of the character designs are really great in My Hero. Like, it has a lot of really, really fantastic, really well-thought-out hero designs. Yeah. And then you have Todoroki and Earphone Jack. Yeah. Who decided to put their PJs on to come to class. Yeah. Which, I mean, fair enough. I would do the same thing. But if you're a superhero, you got to have a fun, memorable outfit. 
Yeah, exactly. And especially because a lot of the um, a lot of the My Hero designs are very heavily based in American superheroes because yeah. My Hero is a show that is meant to be a send up of American stuff. Yeah. It really is. All Might in particular is entirely meant to be a stereotypical American hero. Yeah. Um literally his one of his main moves is called Detroit Smash. Yeah. United States of Smash. <laughs> <laughs> um but um just to have those two designs that first of all don't really fit in with the American superhero aesthetic, even modern yeah. superhero aesthetic. Because we'll talk about we'll talk about modernizing designs in a yeah. minute too. But even fitting in with the modern hero aesthetic, it doesn't do that, you know? Yeah. So. Um, on the topic of just my hero character designs, mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to throw on one that I do really like, um, Eraserhead. I actually oh, really yeah. like his design because the whole simplicity of it works with his character. Well, it's simple, but it very clearly evokes what it's meant to evoke. Yeah. Because he's meant to be a ninja. Oh, Yeah. Like, his whole thing and reason for being a hero is that he just wants to be able to be someone there to do the right thing. Like, he's not Mm -hmm. your typical, like, flashy, famous superhero. He just is just like, I have powers, I want to do the right thing, I want to help people. Which is ultimately also, too, why he's my favorite from the series. He's my favorite of the um, adult heroes. Mount Lady's a second, but he, but Eraser's my favorite of the adult heroes. Of the student heroes, easily Froppy. Oh yeah. Frog Girl is best girl. Mm-hmm. Of like, I'm, I, of like the students and stuff. Froppy's my favorite. I love her. She's so fun. I'm almost as as obsessed with Froppy as you are with Enmu. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if I look around, just looking around my living room, I have two posters of Froppy on the wall. I have I one, see one in the background. Three. I have four statues sitting on my art table. <laughs> yeah, um, just going with um the My Hero characters, if I look around my room and point out and find any of the stuff that mm-hmm. I have of Eraser, um, I have a metal print of him right across from me. I have a smaller, like, print of him little ways like next to my metal print um i have a little mini wall scroll of him um i have a whole clump of keychains of him i have plushies of him somewhere um i have my cosplay of him that i've done um i have my my hero poster that has him in the background um i have a print of him that i got at i think sabacon 2018 um, I have another print with him that I got at Sabacon 2019 that's got him and Miss Joke. Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of Aizawa stuff. Squiddy, I got some bad news for you. Uh, You're a weeb. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, so are you. Yeah, I am. Uh, well, to be perfectly blunt, manga right now is better than American comics. We'll get into that in a minute, too. Honestly, yeah. Uh, but... Um, Actually, the, the modernization of designs topic, we can do both of those at once because they relate. But yeah. um, with Froppy, um, I've gotten to the point as an artist where because I enjoy her design so much, a lot of times she's the character I'll draw for a warm-up or if I want to practice oh. something specific. Like a lot of artists, I sometimes struggle with hands and feet. The easy way to, to practice hands and feet is to draw the character who definitely has enlarged hands and feet as their design. Yeah. She's because you can't. Your hands and you, feet. You cannot hide from it at that point. You have yeah. to do it. 
Uh, but because you can enlarge the, those parts of the anatomy, you can focus on the design a little bit more and focus on the technique a little bit more. Yeah. So. Also too, the reason being she has the bigger hands and bigger feet is because she's a frog. Exactly. Um, that said, let's talk about um, modernization of designs. And this is something that, as an American comic book fan, is probably going to hit me a little bit more than it does you, because a lot of manga and anime, I mean, there are some that obviously have modernizations, but it's not something you see a ton of. Um, right. And I have seen some successful American comic design modernizations, and I have seen some very unsuccessful ones. Um, I talk a lot about um, the uh, the terrible year of 2011 in DC Comics. <laughs> that is the year that will go down in infamy as the year that DC Comics rebooted their entire line and throughout all of their history. Oh my God! In Isn't an that event that the year that um, Starfire had that like design that was yes, it was just... it was part of it was part of that. Yeah, uh, one of the earliest parts of it actually. Oh wow. Um, uh, it was an event called the New 52, or as yeah. I refer to it affectionately, the New Shitty 2. <laughs> and yeah. so there's a couple things that you have to have perspective on as far as DC Comics go to understand what they were doing here. Right. The first of them is that between DC Comics and Marvel Comics, the breakdown has always been that Marvel's characters were more grounded and edgy and a little bit darker and a little right. bit more in realism. They were very much a metaphor for things going on in the real world. Right. The X-Men, for instance, is always a metaphor for whatever civil rights movement is big at the time. Right. Um, DC, on the other hand, was always the fantastical, the larger-than-life, the yeah. classic heroes, the simple costume designs, the characters with goofy, magic-based origins, heroes that could juggle planets, you know, that kind of thing. And in 2011, DC, who was still a sales success, but they weren't as big of a sales success as Marvel, right. decided that they wanted to ride Marvel's coattails, and they rebooted their universe and threw out their continuity— and brought all their characters back as edgier, more grounded versions of themselves. And first of all, this was during a period that even Marvel was moving away from the edgy, grounded thing. Yeah. So it ended up just coming across as a bad parody of 90s comic books, which is a whole other conversation. Oh. And actually, there's a whole other design-based conversation there. Let me just – I'll sum up the 90s this way. Pouches. So many pouches. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's what DC decided to do in 2011, except instead of so many pouches, it was so many lines. So oh. so to take an example that we've used a couple times, let's stick with the example of the Flash. Okay? They took this simple red suit, red suit, head-to-toe, gold belt, gold wristbands, gold logo in the belt, Right? Yep. Simple, easy-peasy. Now, imagine that, but if every seam in the costume was bright gold and illustrated to divide the suit into panels, which if they had for some reason just done that with his character, mm -hmm. yeah, bad character design, but they could argue, oh, it's supposed to signify lightning, or, oh, it makes him run faster, or something like that, right? right. Mm -hmm. Except they did it with every character. 
Every single character had every seam and panel of their suit drawn in so it looked like you could disassemble their suits like Legos. My God. And it... And everybody became heavily armored. Batman got heavy armor, which, okay, Batman, if you did that just with him, again, makes sense. Also, his armor technically also have nipples. That was uh, the 90s movies. That's a different set Uh, of battle. Uh, That's a whole other conversation. Um, But um, Batman got an armored costume, and it was done in a way that made sense for his character. You know who doesn't make sense with armor? Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the guy who's invincible. Yep. <laughs> and I they gave him armor. I say, like, some parts of his outfit would have armor to sort of hone in and sort of reference, like, I'm invincible, that whole thing. But he doesn't need a full suit of armor. Yeah, they gave him a full suit of armor. They called it ceremonial Kryptonian battle armor. But on top of it, the Flash, getting back to him with those, all those gold racing lines, right? Yeah. Those lines in his suit were to signify the fact that he was wearing armor. You know, the guy who runs really fast is now wearing plate mail. Oh, fuck. Dude, that's going to slow you down. Little bit. Uh, and all their stuff was like that. And then the female characters all got much more revealing designs. Starfire yeah. being a very obvious, you know... Yeah. A very obvious example. I mean, her costume has always been revealing in the comics. We're yeah. talking a character who the original artist who designed her straight up referred to as referred to her character design as intended to be fun for the artist to draw. <laughs> but she was still always, you know, like mods. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden like she's in the new shitty princess, she's gonna have a kind of eccentric outfit. Yeah, all of a sudden in the new shitty two, three strategically placed pieces of purple tape. Yep. <laughs> but they also took they also took a personality trait of hers from the original character design, or the original character concept. In her original character concept, the idea behind how her race interacted was to them sexuality was the same way that say a hug was to us. Yeah. It it was just a really really long hug. <laughs> Well, when they reinterpreted her, they took away that whole thing with, you know, commentary on affection and how we express affection and replaced it with, she just likes sex. A lot of sex with a lot of guys. Yeah. Just so bad. It took this really, really complex female empowerment thing. Yeah. And and broke it down to, she likes sex. Yeah. And it just ruined it. They broke down the whole, like, I'm a alien. This is how we show affection from my planet to penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then on top of it, a couple of years go by, and they did this stretch called Rebirth where they tried to course correct a bunch of the characters. Right. And most of them they were reasonably successful about. They toned down some of the seam lines, uh, put clothes back on their female characters. Starfire got a really nice redesign that was kind of a combo of her original comic design and the cartoon design. Uh, yeah. Had had the general silhouette of the cartoon design, but instead of being a skirt, it was a pair of shorts. Yeah. Um, but then they tried to course correct her personality back to something people would like. And you know how she's a little kind of fish out of water in the cartoon? Yeah. 
That was entirely original to the cartoon. That wasn't in the comic book. Uh, she assimilated to Earth culture pretty well in the comics. Right. But they decided to bring that aspect into her character in the comic books because fans of the cartoon like that. Right. Except instead of making her a fish out of the water, they made her a bimbo. Oh, my God. Which is not in line with anything that character's ever been in any interpretation. Yeah. And I mean, like, like borderline brain-damaged bimbo. Oh, God. Like, don't get me wrong. I love bimbo characters. I think they're fun. I think they're just all-around goofy, fun characters. If it fits the character. Yeah. Because ultimately, the whole, like, caricature of the bimbo was actually meant, was created by men being like, oh, if you're an empowered woman and you're proud of your femininity, that's bad. If you're feminine and you're smart, that's bad. Like, that's essentially what it was. And Mm -hmm. nowadays, women have actually, like, reclaimed that caricature Mm -hmm. as a sort of symbol of feminism, of being proud of femininity and also being an intelligent, smart woman. Yeah. Which I actually really like. Well, we went off on a feminism tangent. That'll happen a lot. (laughs) But, you know, what I was getting at was that was modernization of designs that for the most part failed. Now, but sticking with DC, there is one modernization that happened as part of the new shitty two that actually worked. It started out not working, but they course corrected on it. So they brought Barbara Gordon back as Batgirl in the new 52. Right. Which she she had been in a wheelchair for a long time, and that's a whole other conversation on representation. We'll talk about that when we get to our representation podcast. But they put her back in the we will. Yeah. Uh, they put her back in the Batgirl costume, but they, like all the other characters, gave her armor and speed lines and the whole nine yards, and it didn't take. So they decided they wanted to give her a more practical design. And they gave her what has ended up being her most popular design. She had um, purple leggings with black stripes down the side. Yeah. Um, yellow docker style boots. Uh-huh. A purple leather jacket with a yellow bat logo. Little short yellow gloves that cut off at the wrist. And then a standard bat mask and a cape. But the cape buttoned to the jacket. And it looked like something somebody could actually fight crime in while still looking like a costume. <laughs> love to see it. And it's, it's, see it. it's my favorite Batgirl design. And that is an example of modernizing a character in a way that works. Because let's be, let's be perfectly honest, Batgirl running around in a skin-tight onesie only really made sense for people that wanted to ogle her body. Yeah. Not to mention, too, she was fighting crime in stiletto boots. Yeah, for a while. That can, that would come and go depending on the artist. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she was definitely, in her very original design, she was in stiletto boots. Yeah. Um, but like, that was a good modernization. Girl, how? Mm-hmm. So there are good modernizations and there are bad modernizations. And unfortunately, very often when they try to modernize characters that have a more classic superhero design, it ends up backfiring. But every once in a while, it works out. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Um, let's think. What haven't we gotten to in terms of character design? Oh, I got one for you. Oh. So we, we've talked about designs we like, designs we yeah. dislike, designs that work, designs that don't. Yeah. Let's talk about how all this stuff influences our art. All right. I will go. Um, mainly sticking to when I was talking about Demon Slayer earlier. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of their color design and hair design influences my art. Okay. Like the way hair has specific shapes and looks to it very much so influences how I draw hair. Makes sense. Well, it's kind of like uh, I talked in the very first episode about how Bruce Team, Bruce Team, Bruce Tim, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bruce, Bruce de Time. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Tim was a tremendous influence for me, and that's one of the things that I pulled from his style is how I draw hair, actually. Yeah. The kind of the kind of like big, large shape way that I draw hair, yeah. the Bruce Tim thing. Yeah. Um. In terms of just comic books in general, a lot of my characters have, they're designed as what are called four-color characters, right. where where their costumes are just three or four basic blocky colors. I tend not to over-detail things. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. A lot of my character designs for that reason tend to be very simplistic. Yeah. It's also why I'm working on a Demon Slayer piece right now, and every time I add more details, I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to color this? <laughs> oh my god you just gotta stick through it dude well you, you've seen what I've got so far yeah. because it's my piece with Daki and your character and yeah. eventually uh, Mitsuri and I just went ham on those fucking ribbons going ham. <laughs> and it's just like I'm not looking forward to shading this not even a little bit <laughs> like that whole trending audio on TikTok of the just guy going oh my goodness oh my damn Oh mm. my goodness, they go on ham. <laughs> well, then on top of it, I'm going to have to add <clears throat> the patterns to the ribbons because I just, I, when I say I've added a lot of detail, I'm just talking in terms of the way the ribbons wrap around things. Yeah. I still got to add the patterns to them, and I'm, oh God. <laughs> yeah, because Doki has like a very like specific pattern on her mm -hmm. um, like ribbons and all that. You say very specific, but it's different between the anime, the manga, and every action figure that comes out. <laughs> the same basic yeah. ideology for it. No, that's that's what's been rough about, like, I've been looking for references for the character, right. yeah. and all the references contradict each other. Because there is definitely a pattern that the anime uses, mm -hmm. and a pattern that the manga uses, uh -huh. and then a pattern that the, the, the merchandise uses. And none of them are the same. Oh my god. <laughs> Combine all of them. Create the <laughs> ultimate docky pattern. Ultimate ultimate BDSM demon. <laughs> <laughs> are we talking docky or Renmu? Yeah, we'll find it out to figure that out. Once once Docky's in the game. But about a month and a half, from what I understand. Yep. <laughs> that that battle's a coming. Yep. Um <laughs> All right, Demon do we... Versus Daki, who is the more kinky demon. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, on that note, <laughs> uh, do we have anything else that we want to hit on with uh, character design? Um, I've pretty much gotten out of everything. That's what she said? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> so I guess that's I guess that's our discussion on character design. Then we're we're kind of we're still building our uh, our template and our pattern here. It's starting to look like we're going to go alternating episodes, more chill topic versus more serious topic. Yeah. Probably going to fall into a pattern of alternating episodes where it's just the two of us versus having a guest host or two as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to guarantee that's going to be the pattern, but it's kind of starting to lean that way. Yeah. So that's, that's like what we're aiming for. Yeah. That said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with something, I guess. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing next. We never, we don't know what we're doing now, let alone next week. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> on oh that, my God. on that note, bye-bye. bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Chaos Buddies podcast. Please remember to share, subscribe, and leave a review. It helps us a ton, and it lets us know what you guys want to hear. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Coffin Art and at my website, www.scottcoffinart.com. And you can find me at squid underscore gremlin on Instagram and TikTok and on my Twitter at ink underscore the underscore squid. So what do you think we're going to do next time? The same thing we do every week, Inky. Try to take over the world! Narf. <laughs>